Welcome to It Starts With Beer. I'm your host, Will Sis. Carla Jean Louder has been bringing beer and the main craft scene to life as a blogger and as a columnist, most recently in her Taplines column for the Press Herald. On Instagram and Twitter as Beer Babe, she keeps the conversation lively, particularly on issues of inclusivity in beer. I interviewed her on Friday, April 17th, on her background in writing and how Maine Beer is dealing with the current business slowdown. Let's listen. Carla, can you tell me a little bit about your evolution as a writer and how that's kind of intersected with beer? Yeah, so when I first started um, writing about beer, I was already kind of into writing. So I did have a, I got an undergrad degree in, in marine and freshwater biology, but I took like way more writing classes than I should have. I was on the paper. I, uh, you know, was uh, kind of just in general took uh, everything that involved writing as I could, but I was always told that like writing isn't a career. So, you know, it just, it'll, it'll just be something that's fun for you or whatever, you know, whatever you're primary career is and so when I started writing about beer I came to it from a place of a writer who found beer to write about versus a beer person who decided to write about it so I was coming from kind of a a definitely an amateur novice kind of perspective you know just trying to kind of express my journey of trying new beers and exploring what craft beer means and, and exploring what it means for New England because there weren't a lot of people kind of being very articulate about that at the time, there was a lot more focus on California and Colorado and, you know, all the big, uh, you know, the big spots out West. Um, And so I first started writing for me. And then uh, when kind of, I, I started with beer reviews because I was trying myself to articulate, you know, what things tasted like and, and what I thought of them. And I kind of moved on to writing more articles about beer. So either educating people about certain styles or talking about trends that are coming up or, or addressing some of the, you know, issues that are happening in craft beer or some of, you know, kind of looking forward to the future, what might be happening. I kind of broadened what I was doing. So when I, so I have uh, written now for uh, several publications, including a, a couple of local papers up here, and each of them have had kind of a little bit of a different audience too. So the Press Herald, the one I write for now, has a little bit more of a craft beer novice audience. So I'm kind of backing things down a little bit for to get people enticed to visit a local brewery, to get people to um, open up their uh, internal definition of what beer can taste like or who it's for. Uh, so I really enjoyed that, but I think kind of just over time. I've I've kind of zoomed out in my writing and kind of like been talking about broader things instead of, you know, one specific beer. Uh, and it's just in general over time, I've just kind of been adapting a little bit to my audience. And I'm not really sure what the next step is, to be completely honest with you. Well, I think there are so many different angles you can take and, and pulling back has a lot of rewards because I think it broadens your uh, audience and it actually means a lot to people to be welcomed in to this like for them is a new world. Uh, what was, was your beer experience growing up? Um, basically, I did not get into beer at all or have any kind of like relation to it myself personally until after college. Um, in, my parents kind of drank the same beer every, you know, 
every time they you know just come home you know with a case of uh, whatever it was. And I think up in upstate New York, it might have been Jenny Creamel, it might have been Bush, it might have been just Bud Light after a while. And it was just kind of something I was never really didn't really care about <laughs> at all. Right. Uh, and so I really had no like beer role models. But when I was in college, the beer that was available there was generally terrible. But I had a few friends that were um, that grew up uh, they were in military families and they had lived in Europe for a part of their lives. And they were saying, oh, no, 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 but that's not what real beer is. Real beer is X, Y, Z. So they were, they would occasionally, you know, bring me like a Dunkel or something. And I would be like, that doesn't say anything like, you know, the beer that I know is beer, right? And so they, they were kind of the ones that were slightly encouraging me to like open my mind a little bit, but I still wasn't really super interested in it until I lived with um, a group of five other people in one big house, like it was an apartment duplex thing where everybody had their own room, but then you shared all the common areas. And we started to go to the, the store around the corner and just get a six pack of something. And then we would all try it. And there was so much variety and flavor there that I got really kind of curious uh, to explore beer. And that's kind of how my, how my blog origin started. But growing up, like in my family, like it was just not, it was just a thing. It was like on the table, but it wasn't you know, particularly noteworthy at all. How about on the writing side, either before you were into beer and beer writing or, or after, have there been writers that you've turned to that have been uh, inspiring or you've kind of carved your own path? Um, I, I would say probably initially my biggest writing influence may have been Anthony Bourdain because he, the way that he wrote about experiencing flavor and food and place and stories was always very inspiring to me. And I like his voice uh, a lot um, in, especially in his writings, um, you know, just about, you know, his trips around the world. So, so that, you know, was definitely an influence for me and I was not, um, you know, as well versed, especially early on with some of the really classic beer writers, but I got to know them later. Um, you know, I never read uh, The Joy of Homebrewing until much, much later. I never read, uh, you know, some of those kind of tomes that most people turn to until far, far later. I was kind of forging my own path, but I definitely was almost not inspired by, but driven by the fact that there was this absent voice in New England. It didn't feel like there were many people that were talking about the beer that I was familiar with. We have really good beer up here too. And nobody knows. Right. <laughs> and, and that sounds so silly to say now, because now everybody knows we have good beer up sure. here. Um, but, uh, but back then it was like, no, no, <laughs> we have some really good beer up here. Uh, what's life been like uh, recently? Uh, how are breweries and uh, well, start with breweries. How are they uh, handling COVID-19 and, and the, uh, the business uh, the business slowdown. Yeah. So there's been, I mean, unfortunately it's not great news. Um, but a lot of the breweries are really, are really worried about the long-term impact of this, but in the short term, many of them have been, well, one good thing is that they've been declared essential so they can operate, uh, if they want to, but the stay at home order that we have in the state means that no one can, be or visit a tasting room unless it's for a non-contact delivery order. So basically you drive up, they put it in your trunk and you drive away for something you've ordered online. You can't go in, you can't interact with a bartender, you can't um, kind of have basically an on-premise experience at all. 
Um, and for some, that's been a lifeline because it's better than nothing. Um, but it's not going to be enough in this critical period of time in which we would normally be ramping up for summer. So the thing to remember about Maine is that Maine's population changes drastically over the summer. We have a lot of people who come up here for tourism reasons, for having a second home. They come up here for vacation. They come up here on cruise ships. And when and this time of year is normally when all of the breweries would be ramping up their production in anticipation of uh, the needs of summer. And the, and the problem with this is that some breweries are still doing production. They're not doing the production they would have been doing because they have no demand. All of their keg sales essentially are stopped because we don't have any restaurants that are doing on-prem at all. Um, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, pulling back of release schedules, pulling back of volumes that are being created. Um, and, and, you know, just generally speaking, you can't have that many people in a, in a building. So if you have a larger operation, it's even more difficult um, in a way. So there's, there's a lot of challenges ahead. And I think that what, I, what frustrates me is that some of them are in a worse position than others by pure luck. Like they just took out a loan to open up a second location oh, yeah. or they just, you know, they just expanded or they've, you know, sunk all this money into their, you know, ingredients orders for the summer. And, and now suddenly they have no, you know, cash on hand. So there's a lot of like, it's not, it has nothing to do with the quality or the smartness or the savvy of a brewer. It's just literally where were you on your balance sheet today? Oh my God. I, that is going to, you know, it's, it's scary. Um, is there a, is there a split uh, between, um, I don't know if you can tell this yet, between the success of breweries that are in Portland versus everywhere else? Um, I haven't been able to tell because I, I've seen they have similar but different problems. Um, so some that are Portland based are are utilizing some of the relaxation of some of our laws to, to enact some delivery. So they're at least able to, you know, get to customers if the customers can't get to them because they have enough customers in a in a radius that they could, uh, you know, sell to theoretically. Um, but then there are other breweries that are the town's only brewery, but it might also have a restaurant in it. So they might still be doing takeout. So it's, there, there are challenges that, you know, depending on how far out you are, uh, may or may not be happening, but we, I'm certain that there are some that were, you know, passion projects or we're like, Oh, okay, we'll do this for fun in our little town that, that are just probably shuttered right now that, that, you know, they haven't made an official thing, but they're probably on hiatus or, you know, or not producing at all. It's, I think it's going to vary, though, but I haven't really heard if one group or the other is doing better or worse. Um, I think they're all really struggling to kind of figure out how to do business in this uh, kind of unprecedented event. It really is, and, and, and I believe that a lot of them were well-intentioned in their mm. preparation for pretty much anything except for a pandemic. <laughs> Right. Doesn't always yes. and come that's, up. Uh, again, you know, it's like, it's, it's tough because you can do, you can, you know, protect yourself from a lot of things. But if you, especially Maine too, only got, you know, this really big boom of being able to sell uh, samples on premise at breweries, you know, less than a decade ago. So that became a huge chunk of their income because people embraced it so wildly. And especially with summer, having outdoor tasting areas is a huge part of their business. And, you know, to, to assume or to believe that they could survive on, you know, package sales alone is, is just 
you know, it's a fantasy. Are, are there certain things where it's like, well, you know, you know, we've got these necessities. We suddenly have to start innovating. Have you have you been finding? So there is one uh, company that's a third party company up by us called CarHop that is basically taking the Uber Eats model of delivery where they are, for example, basically sending someone to purchase the beer that and then driving it basically as a passenger to you and dropping it off for a fee. And that is something that previously uh, never existed at all uh, and has allowed breweries who don't have the capacity to do that themselves perhaps to have a way to reach more people or reach a wider uh, group of people. I think that it's kind of raised the hackles of the distributors a little bit because the distributors aren't allowed to do that. So it's like... (laughs) You know, so there's so there's some there's some interesting conflicts brewing there, and and technically it's delivery, but technically it's not because it's a purchase that's just being transferred somewhere. So they're kind of skirting um, some of that legality a little bit. Not that it's illegal; it's just they found a hole that works, uh, and I don't know if they're going to close that hole once this whole thing is over. You know what I mean? That's what I'm so finding too. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, not. not but the... there's also been some. Um, that have innovated by changing their production schedule. Like uh, Main Island Trail Ale is a, a, a beer that comes out every summer, and usually it is produced in giant uh, quantities to basically last us all summer. And what they did is they backed off on their production, and they've been basically doing smaller production batches, rolling them out, selling them, doing another batch, rolling them out, selling so they don't overproduce, um, which which is helpful also. But uh, I'm glad I can get some because I love that beer so much. And I think it's also very frustrating in a, in a state like Maine that is so seasonal with such a short spring and summer season that that we take huge advantage of the fact that we can sit outside or that we can have on premise and we can have a beer garden essentially at half of these breweries. And to not have that be part of our social structure right now and, and potentially not through maybe the end of May is, is, uh, is you know, it's a challenge. It's a big challenge. It's not as drastic, but it, it certainly does harken back to the time of of uh, prohibition in the sense mm. that the breweries had to, um, as you said, pivot. You know, we're going to make ice. We're going to make near beer. We're going to yeah. make soda. Uh, they can still make the beer. They are essential, uh, in quotes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I, I worry that not everybody's going to make it through. Yeah, same. We do have some that are making hand sanitizer, though, which is awesome. Uh, are there any innovations that you see that you're like, oh, you know, that that's something that we should continue or even go in a different direction? One of the things that I was thinking of is that, you know, in a way, maybe that could possibly benefit distributors. Wouldn't it be nice if you could, for example, sign up with a distributor for like a monthly beer de- delivery of a variety of, of beers that they distribute. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. if I could get every month, uh, you know, a fresh batch of all the Portland, you know, beers that I, you know, would have to otherwise drive all the way down to get, uh, and they could be curated by the distributor. They could be, you know, kind of help, help their on-premise accounts too, because they could say, Hey, if you like this kind of like almost like a, you know, beer of the month, but fresher and totally local. You know, I think that would just be really neat. And I think that they're, we're like, we're like halfway there. And if, and if this value could be shown and it could be given to the right people, um, you know, or get just getting the distributors involved or getting more breweries involved or getting the main brewers guild involved. I don't know. I don't know what the, 
right pathway is, but I just think something like that would be really, really interesting. And I would love to see that happen just because I'm lazy and I don't want to drive 45 minutes each way. Um, but, uh, <laughs> nice. but, uh, but, but, uh, and then also, um, I do like the idea of even just being able to do a pickup order. So calling ahead, um, having it all, uh, they're not calling ahead, but, you know, doing it online and then having it all ready for you so that you can go and have a couple beers, but then they already have, you know, the case that you ordered waiting for you. Um, that's pretty cool. How has your online life changed throughout all this? Um, have you poured yourself in new directions since you can't leave your home? Uh, I will say I have definitely participated in more um, beer-related happy hours, meetups, and whatever with people all across the country um, than I would normally do. And I, and I hope that that continues, too, because it's been nice to just hop on Zoom with some folks you know, that I haven't seen in a year or to just hop on zoom with some local brewers or some local beer personalities. And it's just, it's, it's nice to be able to quote unquote, face to face, interact with folks, have a beer with them, share a beer with them and discuss it um, in new kind of ways. And I, and I appreciate that, you know, I know there's a lot of bad that's come out of this situation, but I appreciate the opportunity to kind of give me new ways to connect with folks because again I'm 45 minutes outside of Portland so for me that's a little bit of a drive to kind of you know make my rounds and say hi to people all the time and it would just be really cool if we could kind of keep up this like okay we have for example we have a, a group of people that every Monday night we were going to trivia at a brewery um and uh we're obviously the trivia is not happening anymore but on Monday nights now we just get together for a happy hour just to hang out because it's awesome. just like, oh, well, we we would have all been together on Monday night anyway. So it's just like, you know, we just spend an hour, we talk about whatever's on our mind. And it's a, it's kind of like a different, it's just a social shift, which I think is really interesting. So as, yeah. as, a, as a writer who wants to bring the world of beer to people who already love it and to those who are beer curious, uh, what kind of angles can you be looking at during this kind of quiet period? Um, I think uh, one of the things I've been kind of harping on is is to, you know, yes, focus on your favorites, but also here's a time to try something new. There's zero embarrassment about this. Like, it's not like you order something and you are with a bunch of friends and if you don't like it, you kind of feel obligated to drink it or whatever. Go outside of your comfort zone. Why not? My thanks to Carla. She's at Beer Babe online and check out her is this beer name okay poster which is for sale it's enlightening thank you for listening if you'd like to leave a venmo tip i'm at william hyphen sis until next time sip well <laughs>